Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of HBCU. As you know, HBCUs have filled the gap for education for communities of color for, for more than a century and a half. My guest today is an actor, producer, comedian, and dancer. He is known for shows and movies such as Flex and Shanice, Snakes on a Plane, One on One, and The Hill Have Eyes Too. Please help me welcome Flex Alexander to HBCU. Hey, hey, hey what's Flex. going on, man? Glad to have you on the show, My man. My disclaimer, I, I don't dance anymore, so we're going to have to take that off, <laughs> off the bio. Well, that was going to be the first thing I was going to ask you to do was dance, <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, them days are gone, bro. <laughs> but Flex, this, is, uh, this show, we feel like, is doing some really important work around the country, mm -hmm. and, and the goal is to shine a spotlight on HBCUs mm -hmm. and individuals that have been impacted by mm -hmm. uh, HBCUs. Mm -hmm. Now, me, myself, I attended Alcorn State University, mm -hmm. but I transferred to the University of Memphis where I graduated. Ah. And I often tell everyone that I think that's one of my biggest regrets is that uh -huh. I did not complete my, my higher education ah. at an HBCU. Yeah. Now, I know you um, went to St. Augustine, yeah. attended there. Didn't and, finish. And, and, but you were, Same but, thing. but you yeah. played uh, yeah. Phi Beta Sigma yeah, Phi there, Beta Sigma. right? Yes, sir. And so HBCU still have an impact. I mean, mm -hmm. I have memories from Alcorn as yeah. if it was yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but just talk to me about the time you were there. Uh, I mean, it was brief, but uh, it was fun. I mean, one thing, you know, coming from New York and going down to North Carolina, uh, back then, that's when people down south would be like, oh, you from up north? And it, yeah. was, it was a big deal. So I was the guy that, you know, the, the dancer, you know, I played basketball and, you know, pretty, I would say pretty popular, you know, uh, with, with, with everybody. Um, it was just fun. It's like when you look at a different world, yeah. you know, you, you, yeah. you think about school and, you know, the impact that that show had on you know, uh, us as as black, you know, teens going into our adulthood, right. uh, black men and women, um, it was a huge impact. And I'm like, you know, that's I wanted a piece of that. So yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, it still holds today. You know, you hold those friendships and those brotherhoods um, and and friendships uh, for a lifetime. Yeah, it's a it's a camaraderie. Mm -hmm. It's a it's a it's a close knit uh, community. Yeah. When I went to when I transferred to the University of Memphis. It was more, I was more isolated. Mm -hmm. I had a group of friends mm -hmm. uh, that were there with me, but it was a totally different feel mm -hmm. from being on HBCU campus. Yeah. And I remember some of the, the things that we did while we were in school, yeah, like yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. like making cheese to toast oh, with an iron. Man, you ever did that? Listen, <laughs> grilled cheese with iron, the ramen noodles. Uh, if you was fancy, you had tuna fish you put in your ramen noodles. Yeah, we had the, that was gourmet. That was gourmet. The Bisquick <laughs> biscuits, we make those, and we get grandma's molasses, and we stop. We needed something there to fill you right, up. Right, you know right. Know? You wanted to hold you. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Man, I mean, those, 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 those things last, and I think, I think those... I think that's what this generation is missing. Right. Um, those hard times. Yeah. You know, they yeah. these kids are going to school now. It's like, Mom, Dad, can you cash at me? You know, and, and right, back then right. you had to figure it out. From their cell phone. You, you, right. Yeah, everybody you to, have a cell phone. Everybody got a cell phone. You you back then you either made a collect call and hoped your mama accepted it. Right, right. <laughs> now I'm gonna talk about uh, a big aspect of uh, the HBCU life. Mm -hmm. And that's the, the Greek life component. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm, a, I'm a life member of Cap Alpha Psi fraternity, mm -hmm. proud life member. 
I won't, you know, I, I know you remember of uh, Phi Beta oh, Sigma. I won't hold that against you. I know you wore your blue suit and everything. You know, I had to wear my blue. <laughs> my, my wife is a, it's just, it's your yes, uh, sorority. Yes, she, yeah. yeah, she's a, she's a Zeta, Zeta yeah. Phi Beta. Yes, sir. Uh, but it's all love, you know. It's all, it's all, all right. love. But, but talk to me about Greek life and how that impacted you both professionally and socially. I think socially, it, 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 it um, you know, again, even from different fraternities, um, it's still one big fraternity, right? You know, uh, it it it. I think it grooms you and professionally as well because so many people from from all you know fraternities have gone on to do great things right. in the community, uh, business. I have friends that are you know dentists, friends that are lawyers. I have Kappa friends that are you know heading major corporations, and and I think that's the beautiful thing. And I, a lot of people focus on what is and what isn't. Like, oh, you know, we're not really Greek and all that, and I get that. But I think the idea was the sense of community, right? Um, right. That our founders, you know, thought of. Right. And and overall, I think that is the most important message: is this the togetherness, with yep. the bros and the sisters. Um, to hold each other down, to, to, again, you can be 20, 25 years later, 30 years later, and you may have a friend that you, you know, crossed with or right. you, you knew from, from another fraternity, but still there's that sense of, of togetherness, and I think that is the thing that um, has affected me the most. And, I mean, I'm not super, super active. Like, I got friends now still going to get people across. I'm like, come on, man. Like, you know, you're <laughs> 54. Like, cut it out. But um, uh, I still, you know, show my love and and, yeah. uh, and appreciate what it, what it did. No, absolutely. Uh, for me, it was, uh, it has presented just unprecedented networking opportunities. Mm -hmm, definitely. I mean, you know, obviously the, the social aspect of it is, yeah. uh, is, you know, unmatched. Yeah, right? definitely. You, you win and gain brothers oh, uh, yeah. for life. For life. But from a professional perspective, it's just been unreal in terms of how I've been able to open doors and, mm -hmm. and meet people and advance my, my business through those uh, fraternal relationships. Yeah. And uh, that's a major part of the uh, HBCU experience. I mean, it's part yeah. of the college experience as well. Right. But it's something... You know, yeah, it's unique. different. Yeah, it's something it's unique. different. It's like you 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 in school and you're getting that that uh, experience, but the other side is another experience. It's like right. a, we get a double dose. Oh no, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, talk to me about your your, your professional career. Yeah. When did you? Because I know you didn't come from uh, the best circumstances. Right, you had right. your challenges yeah, in life. Yeah. When did you get your big break? Uh, I got well, came up in the Bronx, and you know, like you said, went through uh, a lot. Um, coming up, that that in '85, that crack era hit, and it was it decimated the community and and just you know our community especially. And I just always had aspirations of, of getting out. I had aspirations of wanting to do more. I remember I remember uh, my mom was getting dressed to go out, and um, TV was on, and that's back when HBO first came out, and it was a big deal to have yeah. HBO. Oh, absolutely. And I looked, and I see this guy in a red suit making people laugh, and it was Eddie Murphy's Delirious. I said, Mom, I want to do that. I'm going to do that. And she said, oh, okay, baby, yeah, Mama, proud of you. And just, you know, <laughs> yeah. it kept going. Uh, not that she didn't believe, but, you know, you're a kid. You, you're always talking about what you want to do, right. all the different things. Right. But that stuck with me. My initial plan was to play basketball, and that didn't work out. So I come back home. Um, fast forward, and I just started hanging out in the clubs. Meet a good friend of mine named Stretch, <laughs> yeah. and uh, he's like, "Yo, you want to you want to hit the clubs? We go dancing, whatever." I'm like, "All right, cool." He introduced me to a whole other crew, 
and we just we just danced, man. In New York, we would just dance. We would go to all the popular clubs, and um, we would dance a lot when uh, well, it was now Diddy, but Puffy mm -hmm. uh, would have his parties back in the day. Even before that, we'd go to Howard. He would have his big parties up there, and he's like, "I want y'all to come up there and set it off," and we we yeah. go up there and dance. So um, uh, from that, I was it was a dare. A friend of mine named Khalif said to me, he said, oh man, uh, you know, you're funny, you know, you're always impersonating people because I can meet somebody and just, and, right. you know, impersonate them on yeah. spot. And then uh, he kept challenging me. He said, you need to go on stage, you need to go on stage. And I was like, all right, whatever. So I did one day, went to a place called the Uptown Comedy Club on 125th uh, in Harlem. And they had an amateur segment where you had to do two to three minutes of comedy, which I thought was a lifetime back then. I um, finally got a chance to go on after going couple of weeks and not getting the opportunity, I go on, I do my little set, and it was amazing. Like, the the feeling I got from the people laughing, because they're listening to me. Yeah. Um, because prior to that, I had been a background dancer, you know, for Salt and Pepper and all these other groups. And I was like, this is it. This is it right here. And that really, that catapulted me. That, that I took off, um, did a movie called Juice. Uh, which is a, definitely a, a classic. Right, right. Um, I was up for the main role, but the, that role went to Omar Epps, and then they said, man, we like this kid, let's give him something. So they gave me the little role with, with Latifah, and that became such a memorable role in the movie. Yeah, right. Um, I mean, it was trending on TikTok, and I'm like, well, I'm like, what the <laughs> heck? So, uh, so yeah, went from there. Then uh, my friend Dougie Doug had a show on ABC called Where I Live. I played his best friend on there. I had to go and win the role. Got that, um, and it just kept going. It just kept going. I went from there, we were doing, kept doing stand-up. Then I did a show called Homeboys in Outer Space. Uh, then a show after that called Total Security with, with Jim Belushi. Uh, it just kept going, man. Yeah. And then ultimately, it, when I, I created my show one-on-one, -on -one, uh, story about that, I was in L.A., and it was at a time where things were slow, and I was going to give up. I was like, I'm done, and uh, I had met my wife, Shanice, uh, we were just friends at the time, and I would just talk to her, I would just vent. And I said, man, I, I can't take this anymore, man. I, I'm, I'm going back to New York. And she was like, you can't do that, you're too talented. She said, you gotta create your own stuff. Do you have anything? That you? And I was like, well, yeah, I gotta show about this you know, guy again. About, you know, so, and it came from a friend of mine in Harlem who was a single dad, and that's how it came about. Really? You know? Yeah, so I kind of fast-tracked everything, yeah. but that that is that's how everything went. Well, I'm gonna jump back and insert yeah. a question that okay. happened in the middle of all yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. So you 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 were on uh, Deaf Comedy Jam, yeah, right? Yeah, I did that too. I now, you used to, that. <laughs> but no, but you used to tell these this joke about your granddad. Oh, the granddad. Always. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So first of all, <laughs> were, was any of that true? <laughs> yeah, it was an uncle. It wasn't a grandfather. It was, uncle. It was okay. an uncle. It was, it was an uncle. uncle, but I just made it a grandfather. But it was an uncle. I did. He every he always had a story. He always. It was always something, man. Now I know, I know some of the stories aren't PBS friendly, but give me one of the stories that Gosh. we can, not the elephant story. Oh, I can't do that. I can't. <laughs> I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to see if I can remember something right now. I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, let me get back with you. Let's okay. go to something else. I right. give a, let me think of something. I think. But something. Uh, as it, as it relates to one on one, uh -huh. um, do your kids watch it? No, our kids they they watched a couple of episodes. They haven't even watched the whole season. I'm like, how how are you gonna do that? Our daughter pretty much grew up on the set. By the time our son was born and uh, the show was ending, um, so he wasn't there that much. But they, they, I mean, their friends watch it. I, I think 
it's a bigger deal for their friends that I'm just dad. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's, not, it's not a big deal. So It's hard to impress your kids. It's so hard. <laughs> but the, the cool thing is it gave me another generation. It gave us, the whole show, yeah. another generation of supporters and, and, and kids who didn't know about us. So now we have my age group down to... 12 year olds that, that watch it. I get people coming up to me and you know, people reaching out on social media. Oh, my daughter loves the show. My son loves the show. And um, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm happy about that. I'm, I'm so happy about that. I, I'm strong black lead, uh, uh, they were the ones who really uh, were the, on the forefront for pushing for those shows, like my show, like Moesha, The Parkers, yeah. Girlfriends, all of them to get back. Uh, to get back on there, and we work—I uh, can't say a whole lot—but we're working on something special for uh, with one-on-one. Okay, yeah, yeah we'll be right looking on. out for uh-huh. it. Uh-huh. Now, you've had uh, quite a career. Mm-hmm. If you hung your boots up today, what do you think your your biggest impact would be on the industry? I can't hang my boots up today, man. I'm not finished. <laughs> I'm not finished. A lot I of work left I to haven't, do. I haven't made the. I haven't made the impact that I, I truly want to make. I haven't. I haven't gotten there yet. I've, I feel like I've had moments. Mm-hmm. And I'm thankful for those moments, but I don't feel like I've I've reached um, that point where I could go. You know what? Okay, if it all stopped now, you know I'm cool. You know I'm just gonna ride off in the sunset. Yeah, I'm not there yet. No, I understand. I understand. <laughs> I mean, I, look, I'm, I feel the same I, way, I, man. I have a lot more to I do. I have a lot more to do. Yes. A lot more I want to um, write in my yeah. in my final uh, chapter. Yes, sir, man. It's yeah. about it's about legacy, man. Absolutely. Um, now you wrote a graphic novel mm-hmm. uh, called Joshua Run. Yeah. Um, tell me about that and your motivation behind it. Uh, the Joshua Run came from I'm a I'm a comic book head, so I love all things comic, you know, Marvel, all that stuff, yeah. and uh, I love graphic novels. And this just was an idea um, that I just thought about. I, I thought would be cool about this guy who's a tech, and you know, he's tech savvy. He, you know, he does a little helps people get things erased off their driving record and stuff like that. And you know, he's working and he comes across this encrypted file that, you know, leads straight up, you know, to the White House. And um, he leaves for lunch. And when he comes back, the office has been destroyed just because he clicked on, opened it. Yeah. You know, they raided it. You know, people were killed. And then now he's, you know, running for his life. And there's an agent uh, that's in on the FBI side that's actually helping him stay ahead of the game because she believes him and she knows what it is. It's, it's the, the vice president is trying to have the president taken out because he's not following the agenda and actually really wants to do good. And uh, hmm. yeah, so yeah. That, 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 and I was like, that would be cool for just a young, young kid to, you know, to right. do. And, and we just haven't seen anything like that. It's, it's basically like the Jason Bourne, but for us. Yeah. Um, we hadn't seen that. So um, did the graphic novel and it, it was cool. We didn't, I don't think we got enough out of it that, uh, we could have, because in that space you really have have got to put a lot into it. And my partner Dave Stewart the um, third, he he was buying a lot of uh, uh, properties from before, like Punky Brewster, Knight Rider. He, yeah. he owned those. Uh, but something like this, you got to pump. You got to pump marketing into it, and uh, just just do a little more. We needed to do some more because yeah. my dream. Or my hope was to turn that into uh, to a series. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not too late. Okay. All right. <laughs> all right. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I want to just kind of pivot back a little bit to mm-hmm. your earlier years. 
uh, I grew up in a rural Mississippi uh, community mm -hmm. with where there was more opportunity to do wrong than right. <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah. you know, I think uh, for, for us who made it out and became successful, mm -hmm. uh, we in a lot of ways beat the odds. Yeah. And I know I've you know, looked at your, your history and your yeah. background, and I know mm -hmm. that you came from similar situations, yeah. Uh, yeah. larger city, yeah. which means there was more opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, talk to me a little bit about growing up in New York and the Bronx. Uh, man, growing up in New York, man, um, New York was, it was the center of everything, man. It was so much fun. And, you know, I'm a 70s baby, and so I got to enjoy that 70s era and then coming up into the early 80s, you know, when hip-hop hit the scene, right. Sugar Hill Gang. I remember the, the summers where the girls went in front of the building jumping double dutch. And right. the fellows was playing the top, Skelzy, the yeah. Skellies. And remember the big boom yeah, boxes? Oh, yeah, the boom boxes. <laughs> and we break dancing. And right. we got a linoleum out. Like that, when I think of New York, I close my eyes. And that's the, the vision I still get. Yeah. Uh, then crack era hit. Um, I ended up, and it affected my family. Um, I have my mom dealt with addiction, and uh, two of my brothers did. Um, and then uh, I just started floating around, and I moved out to Brooklyn. And a cousin of mine, and one of my neighbors across the street, you know, uh, my neighbor, I'm seeing him every week, just looking like back, you know, how we say back in the day, looking fresh. Yeah. And we just with everything to change. I'm like, I'm like, yo, what are you doing? He's like, yo, man, you know, we're you know, we, we pushing that weight. I'm like, well, what do you mean? I was like, I want to do that. And, uh, and he hooked it up, and I started working in Brooklyn, um, and then we moved up to Rochester, New York, and I basically was, you know, selling crack cocaine and, and, and some of the purest of the pure. Um, yeah, man, I just, I, I went hard, and it was almost like, I was so angry at what it did to my family. I was like, I'm gonna pay society back, and this is what I'm gonna do. And and um, I got to a point where it weighed on my conscience. Yeah. Um, even all the money I was making, and I lied to my mom, told her I was working for the phone company. She was like, you ain't working for no damn phone company. <laughs> she knew. Don't pay you cash. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. at and ain't reaching out and touching you like that. So, <laughs> but um, I got to a point where uh, one of the cats who was working with got pistol whipped and by the guys we were working for, and it just, it just started getting bad, and I just saw it breaking down, and I, and I said, listen, I, I'm, I'm going to get out of here. I want to, I said anything. I said, I want to go back to school. I was making up whatever. Right. And surprisingly, the guy I was working for was, he was like, all right, cool. He said, but you know, just remember, I know where you live. And I was like, you ain't got to worry about me saying nothing. You know? <laughs> and uh, I got out, and yeah. then that f following week, about a week and a half later, my partner, who I would partner up with, um, another friend of ours, cousin, took my place, went up there, and they were hanging outside, and these cats rolled up to rob the, you know, the drug house, and he ran upstairs, and he looked out the window, they shot up and shot him in the heart. And um, I mean, that could easily be me. Right. You know, and um, after that, I came back to Brooklyn and I thought I learned my lesson. And I said, I'm gonna do a couple more little things. Uh, I'm walking to the train station. You know, mind you, I'm actually packing at the time. I'm walking, these brothers run up on me and they're shouting and I'm not understanding what they're shouting. Throw me up on the gate and they're pushing me. Dude pulls out the gun and literally he's, he's pulling the trigger. He's pulling it. It was, he just was pulling, it was jammed. And I punched him, and then I ran. I didn't even think. Let me reach, reach to my my gun, and I and I and I leave. I run. 
run to the train station and there happens to be a, a police officer there. And he comes down, the police officer comes down and he's figuring out what's going on. I said, hey, pull the gun on me. And he got him and he's starting to pat me down. He literally, he pats and he does not feel the gun that I yeah. have on me. Um, he got this guy and he said, okay, we're going we're gonna to go down to the thing. And I was like, listen, I said, my mom is at the house and I have a sick mother, I have to go tell her. And they literally drove me in the car to my house. I got out, went into the house, put the gun up, get back in to go back and um, go through the process. Right. And um, I'll never forget that. I'm like, you know, I, I have angels watching over me because I should have been caught. Uh, they should have caught me with that gun. They should have caught me, you know, they should have not let me stop to go home. Right. You know, and... Uh, I never forgot that. And that same gun, my brother, who, who had a, a crack addiction at that time, took that gun and he sold it. And I came back and I was pissed, but in the end, that saved my life. Yeah. I kicked him out, he goes and lives with his sponsor, and he got clean. So, wow. Yeah. Wow, yeah, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. I wanna pivot, pivot back to HBCUs for just mm -hmm. a minute. Mm -hmm. um, I know you um, attended, but didn't complete mm -hmm. uh, your degree there. Mm -hmm. But still, I think that you have had an impact on the lives that you touched mm -hmm. while you were on that campus. Because people that went to school with you, even though for a limited time, mm -hmm. they still now look at you. And, now, probably, yeah, yeah. right. Because at that time, I wasn't, you know, doing what I'm doing now. Right. I was the funny guy and all that, but right. it hadn't taken off yet. Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah. if you had to um, tell young people of color why they should consider going to an HBCU, what would you tell them? Man, it's the best experience in the world. Even if I hadn't gone, I would, I would tell them. Like, that's, that's why seeing what Deion Sanders is doing, right. uh, brothers like him, like, and, and you know, he getting that media hate, right. but it, it is, it's, a great, it's a great thing. Yeah. Um, I would tell kids, get that experience, you know. Um, if you have a chance to go to Harvard and all those other places, that's great, but it won't be the same experience. Right, <laughs> you know, right. It, it won't be. Um, uh, for, the, for the culture, for, for the history, um, and that's my thing, the history, the culture, uh, um, alumni, you know, you, right. look, you look at Chadwick Boseman, you look at Anthony Anderson, who's gonna be getting his degree and graduating from Howard with his son. Right. I mean, where else could you do that? Um, it's unreal. You know man. what I mean? Yeah. That, that's a, they, they're, they're graduating bisons. You yeah. know, so that's dope. And, 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 and just to add to what you're saying, just that whole support system yeah. uh, that, that's there that yeah. you can't get yeah. uh, when you're in a classroom with 150 other students. Man, listen, if <laughs> yeah. you're hungry and you go to Howard, uh, Harvard, you can't go across the street to Bojangles and get a three-piece? Right. You can't do it, but in North Carolina, you can. In D.C., you <laughs> right. can. You can find somewhere to go, and you can make friends with somebody. I made right. friends with everybody. All the girls that worked in, like, uh, Friendlies and, and Bojangles and all these other Hardys, I made friends because that friendship, that turned into free meals. Right, right. <laughs> and I'm going to say this, um, Flex. I believe that your, your life, uh, that you live, the accomplishments that you have um, achieved have been impactful. And I think that although um, you may not have graduated from your mm -hmm. HBCU, mm -hmm. um, you have left a legacy that many people uh, will would like to follow. And so because of that, 
we want to present you with the HBCU Lifetime Achievement Award for your unwavering support for historically black colleges and university. Oh, wow. And so we want to present this to you. Thank you. And we appreciate all that you've done to uplift our our people and to be a shining star. Look at your mama. <laughs> I made it. You know, I've never been acknowledged for anything, man. This, this, this is. I mean, other than you know your family, yeah. Award-wise, man. So this, I, I don't take this lightly at all. I am, um, I'm appreciative. Um, I try to do it the right way. Um, I've always tried to, you know, make the culture proud. Right. You know, and you have and done a, you've done keep, a great I'm job. Keep doing man. that. <laughs> you know, you've uh, you've beat all the odds. Yes, and, sir. Uh, you know, all of us have had challenges we've had to overcome yeah. to get to where we are, and it's those challenges that make us who we are. Yes, sir. And Look so for uncle, all you've done, my, we, we want to honor you for that. Thank you. My uncle would always say, and he'd tell me something, and, and I'd be like, oh, well, but you ain't doing it. He said, boy, don't do as I do. Do as I say do. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Flex, it's been great Thank having you, you on the show. You, I really appreciate, appreciate you. you. Thank you. To my viewers, I appreciate you watching. Um, Flex Alexander, thank you for watching. HBCU with D. Brown CEO. And remember, without you, there's no me.